Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of the uh, Noble Eightfold Path, uh, number six, the sixth factor, which is right effort. I had to split this into two parts because it's actually extremely uh, deep, and I wanted to share with you the information, as I stated, um, specifically from the Mahayana Tiantai, Master Tiantai, or Lotus School of Buddhism. Um, because a lot of times, you know, a lot of these texts weren't available. And also we usually only hear, they, they very specifically separate this in early Buddhism. They usually don't go over it. They say it's Theravadan Buddhism. And again, Mahayana has it. But then again, a lot of times the different uh, secularism or secu- sorry, secular uh, schools um, such as um, the different sects such as Pure Land Buddhism, etc., give basic overviews with the words, but they don't go too deep into it. Uh, and actually, it is an important part of Tiantai Buddhism. And it's interesting because you may say, well, that's Theravadan. But Master Tiantai and, the, the of course, the, the Makashikam, the Great Concentration and Insight Sutra, uses all of these methods and understands them and systematizes them into uh, what we understand based on the Lotus Sutra. Okay, so just to recap a little bit, last time we went over the um, idea that the effort that we had was actually the effort we make in our mind as to what we put our investment in. So what do we invest in? When we went through the uh, four mental states of seeing first the unwholesome, uh, preventing unwholesome mental states, uh, second, eliminating unwholesome mental states, third, maintaining wholesome states, and fourth, deepening and cultivating wholesome mental states. And again, we use that example of the garden. Now, with Master Tiantai's teaching and, of course, uh, Tiantai Buddhism, again, is focused on illness. Uh, this is an idea of preventing illness. So when we see on wholesome states, mental states, that also means those mental states are what brings illness. And in this idea, the the ultimate goal of Buddhism is to attain, as we'll see, the idea of samadhi, continuous concentration, which allows us to then reveal or see our true state of mind. And so, therefore, uh, we have to be aware of, uh, in our effort, what we invest in. And effort means, what are we putting our time and money in? And Master Tantai says, if we put ourselves in unwholesome states, not only will we get mental suffering, but we'll have physical, uh, emotional sickness. So instead of saying specifically suffering, I, I, I feel as if uh, Master Chantai says in a more immediacy, because again, if you look at your body, if you care about your body, you won't do things that are make you ill. The only thing that makes us do that, that we invest in things that perhaps could kill us, or make our lives, uh, make us ill, is based out of total ignorance or desperation, which again is from ignorance, because we suffer. We don't know, so like in a drowning, uh, you know, river, we're grabbing onto whatever we can, whether it's good for us or not, just for a moment to catch our breath. But as we realize in that idea, and you can use the metaphor of gardening, uh, you know, that, that is how we can cultivate wholesome uh, rather than unwholesome mental states. But again, that means when we say mental states, that means our overall state of equanimity. And so 
the what we should go into further is that they actually usually in the Theravada school they'll go into first of all d- defining a little more what are those unwholesome mental states and they usually say they're called the five hindrances they say that sensory desire second is ill will third is sloth fourth is re- restlessness or worry and five fifth is doubt now it's a little bit similar but i'm going to read you uh, based on the translation of the makashikan and and this is they say the five impediments so i like the idea of impediments hindrances same but again it's impeding us we shouldn't be annoyed by them if something is hindering us yeah it's keeping us back but i find that a little more annoying so i like the idea of impediments that they are just in our way um and this is called the gogai uh, in japanese and they they use the word impediments, the five impediments. So the first one is covetous desires, right? So it's interesting in the Theravada they say sensory because a lot of times they they of course uh, it's pr- pretty much the same thing. But the covetous means we we see something, but we don't just see it; we want it, and and that's of course through our senses. The only way we interpret that information, we bring that information through our senses which also includes the mind. And, and that, of course, we then, because of our desire, we covet that. So those desires then become covetous desires, which, of course, as we know, if we covet something, we become attached to it, and, and it, it actually leads us, and, and we become bound by it. Second one is hateful anger. Uh, I think this is a really good example, the idea of hateful anger is that the the state of mind, the unwholesome state of mind behind it is uh, hateful anger, specifically hate. And again, you know, in modern times, when we look at this, hateful anger means specifically thinking someone is uh, an undesirable or not worth it or can, you know, experience death or and that would be okay, you know, etc. We this is one of the considered the five impediments that if you have that kind of deep movement, desire of hateful anger, and it leads you to hateful anger, and only you can understand that when that is an unwholesome. Uh, usually, anger is always considered unwholesome, but they add. I like how they define the idea of hateful anger. Um, number three, drowsiness and sleep. It's interesting because we see this. Again, Master Jantai uses the five um, uh, cultivating aspects that we do, the five restraints that he uses. And, of course, one of them is that sleep. Sleep is seen as um, a dulling of the mind, a dulling of one's effort, a dulling of one's cultivation. So if we, you've probably had when you've slept too long, you wake up and, and you feel dull. Uh, that's actually why we need to even protect and, and the idea of protecting ourselves from illness, protect our mind, protect our mind, protect our cultivation from becoming dull. Because when we become dull, that's when we become weak. It was interesting. Somebody uses the idea of, and a lot of, uh, in sometimes um, recovery groups, they use the idea of halt. Don't do anything if you're uh, uh, hungry, angry, lonely right or tired because if you if you do something in that state of mind what usually happens you usually make bad choices so again this is very close to buddhism that's why actually halt is a very good kind of um 
uh, system that you can use to to look at something when you when you start to get aggravated if you use that idea such as the five impediments and go wait a second do I have these things in my mind if I do then then I need to be aware wary and of course as it said prevent it or uproot it okay so that's drowsiness and sleep uh, number four is restlessness and remorse why would that be uh, an impediment well, if you're restless, you're not you're not definitely not doing the correct effort. You're not investing your time uh and you're not knowing how to use your time properly. So, you don't know what to put your effort in. This is kind of an idea of um you probably everyone has experienced it where you don't know what to do. You're actually maybe too tired to go do something, but you want to go do something and it is kind of an in how do you say indecisive mind, which is dangerous as well because you're not Decisive. Buddhism is about being decisive. That's the idea of awakening bodhicitta. We have a very strong, the strongest, how do you say, actually desire or idea in our life that is only to attain enlightenment. And remorse is the idea of simply sitting in remorse, which uh, doesn't allow you to do right effort by just simply, uh, that would be the idea of depression or remorse, uh, looking at something you've done in the past. And it's interesting because in Buddhism, just like anything, uh, some of the uh, modern, if you look at uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, a lot of times, a long time ago in psychology, they would go into the idea of, with Freud, Freud's teaching, uh, that they would try to find what in your past um, actually perhaps caused it, and then try to work with that, and try to figure out how that affects you, etc. But, you know, the amount of time it took to actually go into... Um, trying to find out what actually transpired in your past. Sometimes, you know, it was accurate and sometimes it wasn't accurate. Sometimes you could be led, you know, with the question, tell me about your mother or, you know, these kinds of things. Uh, we could be led. But, you know, in Buddhism, it's all right. We It's important to know the past. But we use it as a way of glancing back. So that that's what they say in cognitive behavioral therapy. We look at the past. We glance at the past. Uh, that allows us to know where we're going and even to be able to measure our effort now, because if we look back and we're doing the same thing, um, we're really not exerting the proper effort into wholesome. Perhaps we're just uh, repeating the same thing as the idea, as people say over and over, cliche. The, the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over. So just simply having remorse is not enough to uh, have a correct effort. It's important to glance back and go, that was not good based on my mental state now. But that should also give you energy to have right effort. But living, it's the impediment is staying in remorse um, by devaluing your life or somebody else's. Okay, And then number five is very important, doubt. Because doubt is the idea that you don't know what, to believe in. You're kind of intermediate. You, you kind of haven't delved too deeply into what is wholesome, unwholesome. You're kind of just thinking, I'm an okay person. I'm good. Um, I'll get through this life. You know, maybe it won't be too long. Maybe it'll be too long. You know, this kind of, I think of it as active inactivity, a place of inactivity. And we probably always found ourselves because if you don't have a zest for practice, for life, then you haven't really found bodhicitta because bodhicitta is an energy. Bodhicitta is a state of mind that, you know, once we develop it, once we hold on to it, like the idea of wholesomeness, 
we we know what unwholesomeness does. It makes us ill. It makes us sick. It makes us anxious. It makes us restless. You know, makes us angry. And and when we develop a correct aversion to that, then we can be able to cultivate towards the proper wholesome states of mind. But you can only cultivate those states of mind when you have that clear awareness. If you don't have that awareness, you, you wouldn't know there was anything wrong. So you'd kind of sit there and doubt. So you'd sit there doubting uh, the Buddha's teachings all the time. You'd be doubting the Buddha's enlightenment. You know, they we call it doubting Thomas, I believe, is the word we used in New York. Um, that just always doubting. And now again, you know, a good amount of healthy doubt. The Buddha said, don't just simply believe in my teachings because I taught them and you happen to like me. Uh, but it doesn't mean that having doubt for your own enlightenment because the idea of bodhicitta is learning that you have the ability to change. You have the innate DNA of the Buddha, right? We have an ability to see it in this life here and now. That is the true idea of what we see in chapter 16 in Jigage. The Buddha says, my only purpose for teaching in this world is to cause beings to awaken to their true enlightenment. To that, that's the only purpose of everything that the Buddha does. Cause all beings to attain perfect enlightenment. Now, another part of Tiantai Buddhism is that, uh, and I won't go into it now, but I'll go to it in the future. There is something called the 25 means or preparations for practice. So what that means is that, and I, I'm writing it in my uh, book on Shikam meditation. The 25 means of preparation are preparatory things that we do before we uh, practice meditation or in our practice. Now, these things have to be in place to have proper meditation, to probably have proper health. And so, therefore, this is a way, and, and again, the Buddha didn't just point these things out. Like I said, in the uh, four mental states, I told you what you know what we want to do with unwholesome, what we want to do with wholesome, but the Buddha didn't leave you at that. He he's allowing you a deeper insight to to look into your life to see what is wholesome, what is an impediment, right, and what is actually a component of awakening. That's what we need to know. So, in the future, uh, I'll do a podcast on the twenty-five uh, means or prepare. Uh, uh, preparations for practice because with that those are things that we can in, incorporate in our life and and that is why um the makashikan as a practice uh which of course we as Nichiren and buddhists the base of our practice of the odaimoku that's the center because even that's the idea of what Nichiren and shonen said master chantai master dengyo uh had these wonderful teachings but the important thing is the time in which the teachings are taught when they're the proper time to practice that, and with te- which and understanding which teaching is proper, that's the idea of getting over the idea of doubt. You should have no doubt. That's why Nietzsche and Shonen use the idea of faith um, and to deepen faith uh, in order to overcome these impediments to our practice. Gogai. Okay, so then we want to talk about the wholesome aspects okay because again going back we want to the two parts of the wholesome idea we want to maintain wholesome states so we don't want to just be uh, understand wholesomeness uh, in this you know um, temporarily we want to the state should be a maintainable state 
Uh, that means based in reality. And the second one is to deepen and cultivate that state because we can continuously go deeper. And this idea, uh, this list is the idea of the seven components of awakening. Uh, again, that name is Shichikaku Ishi. Uh, and the, this is uh, written in the, in the uh, Makashika. And the first one is the idea of mindfulness. Sati. As I said before, mindfulness is energetic mindfulness. That's, that's where the idea of that bodhicitta, that we invest, we, have, uh, we believe in, we have faith, that overcomes the idea of doubt. That mindfulness, especially energetic and correct mindfulness, is important in our practice. That is one of the key, key components, is to learn mindfulness. Uh, the second is developing the faculty of discerning good dharmas and bad ones. And I hope you remember at the beginning of this lecture on this particular uh, Eightfold Path uh, is that this particular element of the Eightfold Path that I said a lot of times people in modern Buddhism here in the West like to, of course, we, we want to have um, solidarity with people, especially spiritual people and people who want to change their lives. But it's very important. And this is where when you read, and especially this is the kind of difficulty I think that most Westerners and, and people have with Nietzsche and Shonen, is like, for instance, the writing of Dishoan Kokoron, uh, establishing the correct teaching to save the nation, right? That is absolutely this part, which I, I think some people are reluctant to do. It's very important to know, I mean, a lot of dharmas, and Nietzsche and Shonen says, the Confucianism, Taoism, etc., are all essential for uh, the cultivation of uh, Buddhism. All right, so they, they're kind of like a foundations of Buddhism. So they they are kind of the roots where Buddhism comes from. So those those are wonderful ways to establish the teaching. So those ideas Nichiren and Shonen said were essential for being able to grow Buddhism. So that's why he didn't say against Confucianism. I believe he probably wouldn't say against Christianity or anything. But they're not complete, full teachings that lead people to liberation. That's what he was saying. And, and Nichiren Shonen was very, you know, that was his main thesis of being able to understand the correct Dharma for the correct era, the correct time period. And also what that correct dharma is and, and, and ultimately what the Buddha taught to save people. So having and developing the faculty through study and practice, what is a good dharma and what is a, a negative dharma? Uh, and again, it's not saying that it's completely bad, but that it's not the full teaching. Because ultimately, as we said, we, we accept what the Buddha says in the Lotus Sutra. The only purpose of all this is to have people attain enlightenment. It's not about spreading a dogma or a doctrine or making the Buddha an important person. It's about liberation. Simple. Uh, number, third, number three is diligence. Having correct diligence. We talked about that, right? But diligence means something that is continuous, as we said with energetic mindfulness. Continuous concentration. It has to be something that is not only in one's mind, but in one's physical uh, physiology. So I realized when I practiced Nijiren Buddhism and especially 
with the idea of shikam meditation, um, being able to change my body, that my body, just like I was talking about with the idea of having real, uh, really uh, like uh, chocolate as composed to as opposed to processed chocolate, right? Uh, that what it did to your body, my body then was not because it experienced and understood the difference in taste, right? So then I understood, okay, this one has a, it melts in my mouth and doesn't leave any kind of taste after. That's a negative taste. But with the processed chocolate, when I ate it, it didn't melt in my mouth. Also, it left kind of a, a yucky taste in the end. So my body naturally developed that which one was superior. Same thing. That's where the idea of joy, the diligence comes in. The idea that we then are, once we understand what is wholesome, our body is directed uh, naturally towards wholesomeness. Our mind is naturally directed towards wholesomeness. Okay, number uh, five, uh, number four is going to be joy. Having joy in the Dharma. So a lot of times joy is not experienced. Uh, Buddhism can be a very trying and challenging practice because uh, we go against all of our beliefs, our shoulds, right? The world should be wonderful towards me. Everyone should love me. Uh, everything should be equal for me, etc. Those kinds of illusions that we have. Um, joy comes from the idea of truly realizing the world as it is and finding joy internally. So that's, again, very important that we say Buddhism is always directed inside, not outside, okay? Number five, this is also the idea of serenity. First of all, understanding what serenity is and then being able to maintain it in any situation is what, of course, where wholesome ideas come from. If you're not in the serene mind, which is also the idea of equilibrium, uh, you know, which we'll go on to the next because we're working through this. So we can, as you can also look at this as a system, right? So now we're, we went for joy, then it goes serenity. And again, this is the actual process that we're looking at. The states are, that are developed beginning with the idea of samadhi and sati. Samadhi, continuous concentration. Sati, uh, energetic mindfulness. Then grows into, of course, the idea of joy, right? Then now serenity, the state. And these are states that are able, able to be experienced and through experiencing them, we deepen our faith and understanding. And then, of course, number six is serenity. Uh, I'm sorry, concentrate. Uh, number uh, five, sorry. Number five is serenity. And then we go into number six, concentration. So this is, again, how it works towards enlightenment. So we, we go into serenity, which we understand through samadhi and mindfulness, right? And again, the daimoku is the catechism, the, uh, uh, the causal nature, where the energy comes from. Because, again, the Buddha is transmitting his wisdom and merits towards us, which allows us to gain the serene mind, bringing us to true concentration. And then, of course, the ultimate goal of Buddhism in the idea of equanimity. And equanimity is a state where many people say, oh, okay, I feel like an like I have my life balanced. It's a little different. Equanimity is kind of, you know, I think of it when you look at the, um, when working and building something, like hanging a picture on the wall, right? 
you have the uh, kind of level with a little bubble inside, right? Then the bubble moves left to right, etc. I feel like that's like a bubble that we're kind of, that's kind of our balancing uh, aspect of our nature. And that when we understand the idea of equanimity, that is expre- that's the ultimate expression, uh, which allows us to then truly cultivate um, wholesome actions, wholesome effort. Uh, and and again, it is the idea of abandonment. So, if uh, removing, like I said, gardening, removing the weeds, right, being able to cultivate the ground to prevent the weeds as well. This is how we grow in our practice, and and this is really essential, uh, because again, even though we chant the Daimoku, that is supposed to direct us to deepen our practice, our understanding. And and through that, we can have a sense or a taste, just like that chocolate of equanimity. Because in the moment that we chant the Daimoku, is a perfect state. And it's interesting because Master Tiantai says that if we're unable to, for whatever reason, be unable to cultivate these seven components, um, we should, of course, cultivate the Eightfold Path. So he directs us back to the Eightfold Path. Because some of these things, the idea of mindfulness, faculty of discerning, we have to start back at one, which understanding, of course, our right view. And when we understand the right view, then we work towards uh, that natural progression of the realization of the idea of what is our practice and and really establishing it in our lives uh, where it can be experienced and manifested. That is the purpose of Buddhism. So... This is, again, a little deeper aspect of this idea of right effort. Uh, It's a really deep, uh, and again, it kind of loops around, doesn't it, to the beginning of the uh, Eightfold Path, that if you try to go into those seven factors of enlightenment and you find difficulty, it says go back to the Eightfold Path. That's what Master Tiantai says. And and we can use that to help cultivate the seven components. So it, it, it's really interesting. So the Eightfold Path is indeed uh, one of those important landmarks of Buddhism uh, and can be used and practiced. And again, the other idea of that is is that that is again manifested into the concept of the, um, the six paramitas in Mahayana Buddhism, which we can go, which we have spoken of before. So I hope all of, I hope this was useful to all of you. I know it's a lot to think of, think about. But if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at any time. Thank you very much for your time. Namu Myoho Renge Kyo. Have a great day.